Hello, and welcome to Let's Talk Nonprofits, a BizLinks TV network programming dedicated to the exposure and increased awareness of the nonprofit sector. It is the means by which we talk to thought leaders, experts, nonprofit organization leaders, and philanthropists to expose the best practices and share the best practices in the industry to help nonprofits be successful. We ask that if you would like to have your organization to be a part, or if an expert guest is someone you think would contribute to the knowledge that is being shared, please reach out to us at lesstalk at bizlinks.tv. Again, we ask that you go and view all of our shows that are located on www.bizlinks.tv, on our YouTube channel, BizLinks TV, and our other resources that you will find out there. So again, we're excited to provide to you another expert guest today, and this is none other than the president of the Dorsey Consulting and Training Nonprofit Solution Organization, which I just messed that up, but he will clarify that. Yeah. But the president, Mr. Oliver Dorsey, welcome. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure being here. Good. And do me a favor. Yes, Let's sir. straighten that title out again. Okay. Because I'm combining okay. two of your companies. That's right. I am the vice president of Dorsey Consulting and Training and, and president of Dorsey Nonprofit Solutions with the Nonprofit Solutions the Division of Dorsey Consulting and Training Incorporated. Excellent. 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 And before we get into all of that, all of the expertise that we know that you have, and uh, it's been my pleasure to know you for more than a year now. And I know you do great work, and we're glad that you accepted our invitation to be here. But before we get into that, you know, what we found is we like to start our show off by just getting to know Oliver Dorsey. Right. Because people look at you, and they hear your expertise, and they think that you are just something that is less than who you are. Right. In other words, we want people to see that this individual and individuals who sit in this show, in on this chair, that they are just ordinary people doing extraordinary things so just tell them who is Oliver Dorsey okay yes Oliver Dorsey a native of Atlanta Georgia I um, spent 17 years in the Boys and Girls Club movement well I started right here in Atlanta Georgia uh, and moved on over to Houston Texas worked a number of years in that organization there and came back over into the state of Georgia worked in the Dalton Georgia community as an area executive director for the Boys and Girls Clubs of Northwest Georgia. And then my last three years was in the Boys and Girls Clubs of Northeast Georgia, which is over in Decor, Georgia area as an executive. So um, those are my experiences um, yeah. being with the Boys and Girls Club and a little bit about who I am you know, being a native of Atlanta. Yeah. And um, now working in the uh, nonprofit sector in the, our business of um, Dorsey Consulting and Training through the nonprofit solutions portion of what we do. And, and I think that's the unique thing. First of all, it shows that you know, you're just a person that it's out there, had some great experiences in the nonprofit yes. sector, particularly with the Boys and Girls Club. But then you transferred that knowledge into the sector where you can uh, impact on a larger scale. Exactly. So again, we just always want to share with you that these individuals who come on here, guys, they're just like you. So whether you have thoughts of entering into business or whether you're starting a nonprofit organization or whatever, and you begin to doubt, are you that type of person or is there something special about the persons that you see here on Let's Talk Nonprofits? We want to just get that out the way and let you understand that we're nothing but ordinary people who answered a call to do something that's extraordinary. So thank you for sharing that. I, I would like to start off by just talking about the fact that uh, you actually bring in a great wealth of information and knowledge to the sector. Yes. 
people always want to start nonprofit organizations, and I would just like to get your take on this. I come to you and say, Mr. Dorsey, I, I, I have an idea about a nonprofit organization. My relative or close friend may have been impacted by right. something, and so now I'm motivated and energized to start this cause. Right. You know, what's your response to me? Well, okay, first thing I want to do is ask you, uh, what is it that you want to do? Um, have you done the research as to what you want to do? What we mean by research? How many nonprofits out here already doing what you want to do? Okay. Okay, see, for example, if you want to start a veterans organization. Yeah. Right now, that's a hot topic amongst our country. Absolutely. There's a, quite a few of them right here in the Atlanta metro area throughout yes. the state of Georgia. So you want to be able to see who's out there, what they're doing, what type of impact they're making, and, and ask yourself, okay, is this? do I see some gaps where yeah. they're not? Um, um, meeting the needs yeah. and is that a and then that gap can I fill that gap and it may be a, a program idea that you can take to a nonprofit and be a part of their team mm. and to help you know get mm. things going that way Oliver I, I, I tell you hit on one of the hot spots for us here at let's talk nonprofits um, because we say the same thing people start up various organizations we're listening to media right. and they're interviewing this organization that's starting up something and you know my wife and i've carried on conversations like that's already out there won't they just go and work right. with them or combine their right. efforts so i think that's great advice I, I want to just go back and make sure guys that you pick up this one nugget that he's already shared research you know people I, I, the people I've come across in the nonprofit sector, right. particularly at starting, I don't, they, they don't think about that right. like a business might exactly. think about. But that's what I've just heard you say. It's about researching the, the market and finding your niche. Exactly right. And, and we must realize that nonprofits are businesses. The same concepts that you use in a lot of ways for a for-profit business, you will turn around and use it for your nonprofit. Yes. So we want to make sure that that research is done correctly and not just jumping out there because it's a passion. Yeah. But you want to jump out there knowing all the things that you need to know in order for it to be successful. Yes. And the big thing is collaboration. And, you know, it's about finding the right synergy with the right organizations. And once you find that synergy, right organizations, you can fall right into that gap. But, you know, there again, I, I just don't want to limit that. You can, you know, if you find that little crack in there where someone is not filling that yeah. gap, you can go ahead and start yeah. what you need to start. But even in that, you still want to collaborate with some groups. Mr. Dorsey, I, I tell you, you, you've just hit on, and, and guys, for those of you who follow us consistently, uh, you heard someone else say exactly what I've been saying, so I'm not going to repeat it, but I'm not the only <laughs> one that's out there espousing that nonprofits understand they need to think like a business. I'm just going to leave it like that. But again, I think that's great information you shared before starting this nonprofit concept that right. they may have research find out what's right. out there find who's doing something and find the gap that you might exactly. fulfill and another point you brought out was collaboration and again I'm big on that uh, from a business standpoint from nonprofit standpoint right. and again I know you guys hear me reference various organizations and one of them is the writings by Karen Beaver who's right. the president and executive director of the Georgia Center for Nonprofits right. but she talks about breaking down the silos Absolutely. and you know and like you say just collaborating with one another right. so I, I I, I appreciate that nugget and uh, we move forward with after we've looked at that and they've done this research right. and so I, I've done this research and I found this space right okay and still while I find that space I may be able to collaborate still on some right. projects 
but what's your advice? Now that I've found this space, uh, Mr. Dorsey, and I'm ready to move forward, how do you advise me? The next step is to go ahead and identify certain individuals within your circle or within your community to serve on an advisory board okay. or advisory committee. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So that's very important to have individuals who um, have the passion, who has the um, business knowledge of running a business, and those who have um, just a, a general um, compassion for what you want to do. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Yeah. Find those three to five individuals starting out. Okay. That can really get in there and help you flush out what needs to be flushed out in terms of. Um, filing with the um, Secretary of State. Okay. 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 Filing with Secretary of State also to help draw up the bylaws, the articles of incorporation, and those sort of things so that you can be in compliance for in the future when you start to engage into funding, fundraising, okay. and things of that nature. Yeah. You'll have your things in order. But the next step is to just find those three to five individuals that can come on your team and help champion this initiative. I, I again I, I'm just enjoying the information that's been shared here um, I, I know Mr. Dorse is very knowledgeable but I like the way he's making clear succinct and you mentioned something you said a board of advisors yes sir now I've heard the title or the description of board of advisors also board of directors yes. is there a difference between the two and if so do you recommend one over the other or when you first start out, I like to use the advisors okay. because some people like to just start out with you, but they may not want to take on the responsibility of being a full board member. Wow. You understand? Yeah. Because some people may say, well, okay, I'm a, I'm a grassroots person. I like to just help formulate the process. Yeah. But, you know, I may not necessarily have time to go to a board meeting every other month, okay. be on conference calls, etc. But that was, I, I like to use the concept of board of advisors at the beginning stages. Yeah. And some of those board of advisors, at some point, you know, when the time, when the right time, they'll transfer over and become a board of directors. I, I appreciate that. Again, guys, I don't know about you, and I know you saw my excitement because uh, Let's Talk Nonprofits, guys, is just a great resource. And when you have knowledge that was just shared right there, those things that he's already mentioned is are valuable enough for you to begin to make a great impact in starting your your or nonprofit organization. I, I want to go back. You, you you mentioned three to five. Yes. And you know, and I know boards that are much larger yeah, than absolutely. that. Okay. Uh, but give us your thought on that. My thought on that: when you're starting an organization that's not necessarily a regional or national organization yeah. some of those national regional organizations may have various guidelines as to um, how many board members they may want a little more because they already have a structure a um, already proven okay a product they've already duplicated over and over again yes. but when you're starting more of a grassroots organization you know you you want to make sure that you that you have you know there are those few individuals that can really help you get things going. Gotcha. You don't have that structure, and then you know you can, then then you can ask advice from an consultant yeah. to help guide you through that process. Okay. You know, and that's 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 my whole thought process around that piece. Gotcha. So here it is. We found our niche. Mm -hmm. Done our research. Right. We found three to five advisors yes. who are passionate about what we're doing right. and want to help us get started. Um, how should I say the strategic planning process? Is that the next viable step? The, strate the strategic planning process will be the next step. 
Man, let me back up for yeah. a minute. Okay. Once you've gotten to the end of that process, you 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 file for your file for your your, your state of your incorporation yeah. through Secretary of State. Yeah. And you file for your five hundred one c three. Then you've gotten a letter back stating that you know we approve you to become a five hundred one c three. Some of those individuals that's on the advisory board hopefully be going to the board of directors. Right. And um, they say you out of the five, you may have three that want to go on to the board of directors and take on that responsibility. Okay. And then you will start the planning process. Okay. okay? We're talking about strategic planning. And um, that that whole entire process is, is huge. Okay. You know, what is the program objectives? What are you doing? How are you going to make an impact in the community? Um, how are you going to raise dollars? Mm -hmm. That entire process is it's all not a, it's all it's not about grants only. Yeah. You know how are you yeah. going to raise unrestricted dollars? Yeah. And um, you know just all those key ingredients. You know what the board of directors, what how many terms they're going to serve. Okay. You know and um, you know what's the entire process of enrolling the class into your program. Okay. And um, you know just showing that impact and outcomes because that's what people want to see. You, you know, you, you mentioned something, you, you talked about unrestricted dollars yes. and restricted dollars, which gets, makes me begin to think about having multiple streams of income, yeah, even as a business. Right. Uh, speak to that a little more and your advice in that regard. Yeah, well, we're talking about restricted dollars. That's where you have, um, for example, a grant funder. Okay. You may have a foundation that says, okay, we want to be able to serve, we want, we're looking for an organization to serve 35 veterans okay in the areas of job uh, workforce development okay, okay? and um, th those dollars are restricted just for that purpose okay now you're going to have some fundraisers where you're having a special event a golf tournament or a gala or just a uh, general fundraiser those dollars are not necessarily restricted you can restrict them but typically those dollars are unrestricted okay. it goes into the general operations okay. of an organization okay. whether it's um for administration okay. and we have to be careful with the administrative costs because a lot of funds don't want to see 50 plus mm -hmm. percent going towards administration mm -hmm. okay so we want to basically you know some a percentage go to administration and let's say at least 80 percent of it is going towards the overall program okay. wow and making an impact wow so it's unrestricted dollars wow that that's interesting because um you know my former background being in education and even running businesses you know your large amount of dollars do end up going in for employee salaries, right. benefits, and it's interesting that you 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 really make a line of demarcation. You draw a line in the sand to say no more than fifty percent. That's right. So, and then you even said that eighty percent of those dollars should be put towards the impact that you absolutely. You know how to me that means someone really needs to organize themselves in a very strategic manner Absolutely. so that they can operate on that type of funding. Right. How, I mean, how do you help an organization do that? Well, it's all, it all goes into the plan, yeah. okay? You know, it's about those multiple streams of income you talked okay. about, okay? You know, one of the bigger, biggest issues out here, you have some organizations that the majority, when I say the majority, 75% of their funding is coming from grants, okay? okay? Mm -hmm. And you know that's not that's not a, that's not a good place to be. Okay. Because one or two of those grants go away, it's going to yeah. negatively impact yeah. your program. Yeah. So what you want to do is schedule those, have those events, like a golf tournament, yeah. a um, a gala, or a cook off. Yeah. Those multiple streams of um, income generators to be able to balance out the budget, to be able to balance out yeah. 
the restricted dollars versus the unrestricted yeah. dollars. And all that takes planning. And the individual giving is one of the biggest components when, you know, research that was done back in 2012 with the Department, U.S. Department of Interior, over 72% of philanthropy in this country is given by individual donors. Wow. And we know a majority has wow. gone to our places of worship. Yeah. However, yeah. Yeah. it's still a great opportunity within the the main the the, the broader stream of right. nonprofit marketplace right. and there are ways to really generate that individual giving side gotcha. of, of of fundraising. Gotcha. So let, let me ask you this and um, I, I you know I'm just going to put it out here. I, I've read out there in the literature um, whether it's nonprofit quarterly or any of those other mm -hmm. resources for information. Um, and there was one article that I saw a gentleman, he was talking about how to develop and sustain recurring sources right. of, of, of revenue. Right. Uh, one, one comes to my mind is, you know, our sponsor, our show sponsor is Sip yeah. For Your Cause. Okay. And um, one component of that um, initiative okay. is a fundraising mechanism where there, if a nonprofit organization chooses to access that fundraising piece, right. that it, it, it will bring on recurring dollars on monthly. Right. What's your thought about that? Because I hear what you're saying. You're saying individual yeah, donation is yes. critical and important. That's right. There is the grant source, absolutely. which I'm hearing you say right. that you encourage organizations not to depend upon heavily. Right. Okay, have it there, but don't make it a, your total priority. Yeah, because right. I, I hear most times, and those of you who are listening and watching, you know what he's saying is accurate. You may even find that that's where you find yourself. That majority of your budget is based upon grants, and again. That's why we exist with Let's Talk Nonprofits, because this type of vital information is what we want you to sh share. That's a best practice. Don't allow your organization to be majority dependent upon grant sources. That's right. So I'm going to go ahead and step into this water. But, you know, and again, we don't advocate any business or source of revenue over another. Right. But what's your opinion, personal opinion and advice right. about using a source that will bring about recurring funds? Yeah. When you're talking about a, a situation or a platform like Sip for Calls, mm -hmm. that is great on a number of ends because, you know, you can purchase a product. Yeah and use it over and over again. But that also builds up on your individual givers mm. because what that organization can do is now take that database and begin to cultivate that relationship. Wow. And when we're talking about marketing them every quarter, every yeah. two months yeah. on a newsletter as to how well your organization is doing, you know, it's saying, okay, okay, I, I see what they're doing. You never know who, who's in that database yeah. that has capacity yeah to really give you some major dollars, or who has a relationship wow. with someone that can give you some major dollars. Yeah. End of the day, everybody wants to see impact. I hear you. And that's, those are a couple of different ways that you can really, organizations can maximize. Yeah. I, let me tell you, I, I think this this would be a great uh, commercial break uh, big point because Mr. Dorsey just said ultimately it's impact. And again, everything that we do here, Let's Talk Nonprofits is to lead to that. Yes, less non-talk profits is designed to increase awareness and best practice that leads to impact. And now we will give recognition to our show sponsor in a formal way, uh, Sip For Your Cause. It is an initiative that is designed to bring about the increased awareness, the funding, as well as sustainability, and ultimately, as Mr. Dorsey has said, 
impact. That's what it's about. So again, we thank uh, Sip For Your Cause for being our sponsor. You can reach them at www.sipforyourcause.org and see how they might be able to provide resources such as um, the Dorsey uh, Training and Consulting as an alliance. And that's what that organization or that initiative is designed to do to be a resource to give to you. So we want to thank our commercial, I mean, our sponsors. And so now we'll go to our commercial break and we'll see you after the break. Thank you. Does your son need a more challenging, focused, and encouraging educational environment? Renaissance Christian Academy is an affordable private school for boys located in McDonough, Georgia, with certified teachers that are uniquely equipped to help your son master learning. You're welcome to schedule a tour of our facilities by calling 770-305-9881 or by visiting our website at rcaboysacademy.org. Renaissance Christian Academy, developing young men to be great leaders through Christ-centered learning. What happens when soldiers come home? Brene Foundation offers hero support to ensure that our heroes abroad can continue to be heroes at home. We link veterans with organizations who are dedicated to guiding the transition from military hero to civilian hero. If you want to find out how you can support our troops at home, please contact the Brene Foundation or visit Brene.com. Welcome back. And again, we thank our show sponsors, SIP for your cause for all they do to help nonprofit organizations access resources so that they can increase their awareness, their funding, their sustainability, and ultimately their impact. And we were just talking about funding, and um, Mr. Dorsey has been very valuable in terms of sharing some great best practices. We hope that you're taking notes, and more importantly, we hope you bookmark and um, what do you call that thing with YouTube where they do uh, subscribe, subscribe? That you subscribe to our channel, <laughs> yeah. BizLinks TV, so that you have recurring access. And as we begin to share our shows and those type things, that it notifies you so that you can be aware of new information that's being put out. And uh, we'll again thank you for tuning in. We ask that you share our channel and our uh, website with others so that they can access this great information. And we ask, ask that you reach out to us and communicate to us. Uh, with less talk at bizlinks.tv and we will share later on how you can again get access to Mr. Dorsey and that great wisdom that he has been sharing. We talked about funding as we were going on and uh, going into the break. I, I, I want to know um, how does a an organization know when they are grant ready? Okay there are a number of things to know when you're grant ready. Okay. Uh, one is you, you have to make sure that you have your 501c3. Okay. You have to have a board of directors, an active board of directors. Also, uh, making sure that you are uh, completing your taxes every year through your 990 okay. tax form for nonprofit organizations. Um, you also want to make sure that you have um, conducted a program 
that shows impact. I'm going back mm-hmm. to impact again. Okay. Mm-hmm. Outcomes, measurements, mm-hmm. because funders want to see how they are going, what they're investing in is worth their worth yes. while. Yes. So all those key components are very important in the grant ready process, and making sure they also have a multiple streams of income. Okay. You know they, you know they have a few grants here and there, and you know, but they want to, they want to make sure. Okay, if this grant goes away two or three years, yeah. can they sustain the program okay. outside of that? Okay. So they got to be able to show all those measurables. I, Mr. Dorsey, I'm hearing you say, and I tell you, you're throwing a wrench in what I think is a common misnomer. Um, I come up with this great idea. Uh-huh. I don't, whatever it is, this great cause. Uh-huh. So I'm hearing you say, coming up with the great cause, coming up with the great strategic plan, uh-huh. and then going out there and reaching for grants is not necessarily being grant ready. No, it's not. Okay. No, it's not. Yeah. Unless you have a good friend and someone is inviting you to, mm. to write a grant. And that happens every blue moon, but okay. typically that doesn't okay. happen. Yeah. Because you know. what I'm hearing you say, and I think that uh, a lot of organizations may be missing out on, yeah. I'm hearing you say that you need to do something to the point that you've shown that what you do and the programs you execute produce impact absolutely you have to be able to show if you're running an after-school program yeah um, you have you say middle school high school youth you want to make sure that you're measuring those programs okay at the beginning of the program you conduct a pretest. okay and in the middle portion of that program you conduct that middle point test yeah. and at the end you conduct in the, the post test and in between all that there has to be a great percentage at least uh, 60 to 75 percent Increase okay, and um, uh, and say if a group of kids is trying to improve math, they have to see they yeah. that's that's impact okay, and how they did that and all of that. So you know you have to be able to show those tangibles. I'm hearing you say again, guys. Uh, sometimes you see me get excited on this program <laughs> because I learn as I'm hearing as well. But what I'm hearing you say is a grant contributor or funder. Right. They want to assist you in continuing and improving upon what you're doing rather than getting you started. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. They want to see exactly what you've done Okay. and what's the, what the impact you have made and how you're going to make a greater impact with their dollars. I hear you. I hear you. Great point. Uh, I, I want to ask you again, uh, when is a good time to start a fundraising initiative? The best time is to start is, is really after you receive your acknowledged letter from the IRS. Okay. You know, a lot of people say, well, you, you shouldn't, you, you can start it right when they send you acknowledging that they received your application. Yeah, you can do it then. But I like to, you know, it's nothing like telling people that we are okay. tax exempt. And we're ready, you know, you can, this is a tax write-off, and that's the best time to start that process. So let me ask you this. So so when you apply, just the application doesn't determine, at that point, my contribution may may or may not be taxed? It may or may not because it's it's a time frame a lot of times. Now, they're showing the applications, the online application now uh, that you can utilize, and then that's, that's a little shorter period of return. The, the, the improvement letter yeah. it may only take three four months where the traditional way you know it could take anywhere from eight to ten months yeah. so to answer to your question if you're going to do it to the to do it through the traditional way you know y- your years may overlap okay. you know you may have turned the the the, the, the information in in october okay. but it wouldn't count if somebody gave you a contribution in november december 
making our countdown. Okay. On it, if you, okay. you understand what I'm saying? I do. So, I do. So, Very good you know, but with the new um, application process via online, um, nonprofits are able to get the approval a lot faster. Good job. I want to I, I want to jump on to a point that um, we, you touched on boards. Okay, earlier you talked about um, identifying advisors initially yeah. and hopefully they would transition to the boards. Mm -hmm. You know, I, there was an article that was put out there and I forget the exact title of it, but it's, I think it was said, it was called The Difficult Ask. Okay. The Difficult Ask. Mm -hmm. And the difficult ask was asking the board members okay. to contribute. Right. Now, help me out with that. I, I, I would tell you that... Um, I think a lot of board members say, okay, I'm coming on to right. give my advice, my influence, time. my time, right. and those type things. So board members normally don't think about they will be given dollars? Is that tradition? I mean, a, what's the a lot of that goes in with the orientation process okay. of a board. Uh, every organization should have within their policies you know, board orientation that each board member needs to contribute, contribute something to the organization financially mm -hmm. every year. Um, a lot of organizations have that set, whether it's $500 a year yeah. or $5,000 a year. I know organizations that they don't order to sit on boards. You have to be able to contribute or go out and raise okay. $5,000 okay. to participate on the board. Okay. Some of them should be, can be less. Yeah. But, I, but each board member needs to be able to financially contribute to an organization. That they affiliated with. You know, I, I agree with that. And that's why I guess I found the article startling. Right. You know, I, I thought, you know, if you're out here asking people to do something, that's right. I thought you would be doing it by default. You know, it's interesting you say that because when you can when you can go into a community, into the marketplace and ask for dollars, and when you're talking to a potential funder, yeah. when that funder hears that you have a hundred percent board giving. That makes in the minds of, of most contributors, that makes a okay. statement. Okay, you know that's so I I wholly agree yeah. with you know 100% board financial giving. Let me tell you guys again, I I just love this show <laughs> because right there that one nugget. If you're shooting for 100% board giving, he's just t mentioned to you that that gives you a leverage that uh, when you're out there seeking additional funds that it, right. it helps significantly. That's right. So you know that's again we we hope you again make note of that. We hope that you and your board will consider adding that to your mm -hmm. policy if it's not already there. But again, I I, I think that's right. a tremendous statement that you just made. Let let. Let me go back to that board piece because again I always thought it was a common piece mm -hmm. um, and I do know a particular board that they did write that in their policy where okay. every member will give right. and they state by a certain date okay. that the contribution would have been made. All right. So uh, <laughs> I, I, I will make sure I share with that uh, organization that hey good. Mr. Dorsey gives you a check off yeah, on that right. one now. I, I wanted to say this there are boards that sometimes and you use the term active I heard you say that yeah. earlier when you referenced the board uh -huh. my wife and I um, you know have considered operating or being part of boards and one question she always asks uh -huh. is is it an active board or is it more of a resource and I think more right. of an advising board you right. know it's a working board is what right. I think so explain the difference well the difference um, we're talking about an active board that's a board that basically what I traditionally like to call a corporate board. Okay. That's a board that um, helps with the overall 
um, policies and the governance of an organization, helping to raise dollars, assuring that the organization is is doing what it should do, not necessarily involving operations per se, okay. because that's what you have your executive director and your program okay. directors to do. Okay. But they have some oversight to assure that they are doing what they are a charge to do. Okay. But the the main thing for an active board is to make sure that the governance of that organization you know, they make sure they're governing it and also making sure that all the key components are in place from a legal standpoint okay. to so that organization gotcha. can continue to be viable. Let me ask you this. Now, there are some board members who they may give, I guess, right. but then they receive. So okay. there are some board members uh, who are actually paid to be on boards. Are you aware of that? Well, on, on more larger nonprofits when I, you know, to my understanding, when you're talking about large hospital boards, okay. it may be that some large hospitals are nonprofits. Okay, um, you may have some payouts on that end, but when it comes to community-based nonprofits, yeah, um, you traditionally do not have where board members are paid. Okay, now we can say okay, as a board member, if you have a business, say you have a a roofing business, for example, and and the um, facility needs a new roof, that doesn't mean that you couldn't put in a bid for it okay. and get that business, but you cannot vote. Okay. You cannot be a okay. part of voting okay. on that particular Okay, situation. as a board member. That's so right. in other words, uh, it's not common practice to pay influencers to be on your board. No. That, okay, no, no. gotcha. Not on community-based okay. type of nonprofits. Okay. Very good, very good. So again, if you're trying to lure in someone who has a large <laughs> circle of influence, Mr. Dorsey is saying, nah, that probably won't work. And probably, I'm assuming, it might go against some practices. Yeah, from a legal yeah. federal standpoint, you want to be careful with that. Okay. So, you know, that that's something that you may want to seek out from a legal standpoint, okay. but we just don't see that okay. typically in our community, nonprofit okay. organization. Okay. Well, let me tell you, guys, I would love to continue to go on. Uh, I've had such a great time with Mr. Dorsey, and I would tell you, you will see Mr. Dorsey again. Uh, in fact, he has agreed to be yeah. one of our recurring guests and so at least once a quarter you will be able to hear from Mr. Dorsey but what we encourage you to do is reach out to him and access his services and again I, I think you've heard enough right now and we haven't even touched on the surface of operating a nonprofit, but the knowledge that he has and his company can bring to you. So I want to give Mr. Doris an opportunity to one, let them know how to contact okay. you, get in touch with you. And if there's something else that okay. we may have missed that maybe you think it's important to share before okay. we leave, whether it's a nugget or anything that you, else okay. you would like to add, please do so. But again, Mr. Oliver Doris. Okay, I'd like to add, add this last nugget. I know there are a lot of you nonprofits out there that are on the brink, you're saying, okay, should I give up? Hmm. Things haven't worked out. But if it's really worth it to you, don't give up. Wow. Stay the course. Wow. But Because it could be that one or two little things that you need to turn around that can make your organization a, a very viable source to your community. So wow. stay stay the course. And how you can reach me is on my, my office number is 678-889-2067. Or you can look onto our website at www.dorseytraining, a and a n d, consulting inc i n c, dot com. Guys, uh, I tell you, that's one reason. As a former education ed educator, I've always learned you leave open-ended questions because right. you don't know what answers you would get. But what you just said, 
He says, if you are feeling like you're on the brink of giving up, that whether it's because of funding, lack of volunteers, or whatever, but it just doesn't seem to be a viable means for you to stay out there. Mm -hmm. Before you do that, I'm going to go a little further. Rather than just take Mr. Dorsey's stance and say, hang in there, I'm going to say, hang in there and give him a call. I'm going to say, give him a call, talk it over with him. Maybe it's just like he says, one or two things that maybe he can share, uh, the services he can provide that can turn around for you, make you not just float but soar. So that's my advice today, guys. And I, Mr. Dorsey, I have thoroughly yes, enjoyed sir. it. Thank Look you. forward to working with you on a number of things in the future. Uh, we, again, appreciate you uh, watching us here at Let's Talk Nonprofits. And, guys, if you have found this information to be valuable share this link with your other board members share it with your other people that you know who are nonprofit organizations and spread the word that there is a venue there's a platform for nonprofits to get sound advice free best practices mm -hmm. guys but also a source for you to find people who are credible that you can access to continue to build a relationship on and help your organization grow and ultimately increase your impact so as we close here again we'd like to thank sip for your calls for being our show sponsor again yes. you can reach them at www.sipforyourcalls.org again we look forward to those of you who are interested in learning more about what we do with sip for your calls and learn about those guests who come on board uh, here as uh, guests please write us at let's talk at bizlinks.tv if you have an organization that you think would be good to profile again just communicate with us give us the resources to contact them appropriately and we'll see about making that possible so thank you for watching us here at let's talk nonprofits on the bizlinks tv network until next time as the sip for your cause organization says this sips for you <laughs>